0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Politician Podcast. Stuart, how have you been? Have you been enjoying Eurovision this weekend? Do you know what? I'm in real
1: danger of losing us lots of listeners, but I, I'm i not a huge fan of Eurovision. I must be saying, I don't mind seeing what's going on, but uh, yeah, I'm not a, one of these people that sits down and um, you know watches it all the way through. My wife and uh, and daughter did, but that's not for me. Did you did, you did you go, Ben? I mean, it's, it's fairly local to where you are.
0: Yeah, we we went down, I mean, we couldn't get into the fan zone or anything like that, but we went down just to soak up the atmosphere on Saturday and uh, it was really good, there was really, like, good buzz about the place and stuff, but um, I have to say, Stuart, I love it me anyway, do you know what I mean, like, I I, I watch it every year, me, um, so it was made up last year, you know, when we came runners-up and stuff and, and got it back here, and then when it was announced it was in Liverpool, you can't not go, can you, do you know what I mean, you got to go and see what's what's going on, so. Yeah,
1: no, I agree, yeah. and it did look like putting put on a fantastic stage show and... Uh... Uh, And there was lots of people having a fab time. So I'm all all for that. I'm all for people enjoying themselves. It's just, I think I'll go and watch football or something else
0: instead. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Yeah, so I mean, we've had Eurovision, but we've also had local elections since we've last spoke. So I thought it might be a good idea just to focus this episode on kind of local elections and give people a bit of an overview of what's happened and maybe a bit of the fallout of what's kind of you know what's happened since then and, and what it might mean for parties and stuff like that. Um so I can just give a bit of an overview, Stuart, if that'd be helpful just on basically what yeah, what, what actually happened. So Labour really have come out as the, the big winners, haven't they? Um so I think they got five hundred and thirty-seven seats they won um in, in the, the recent local elections. So that takes their total up to two thousand six hundred and seventy-five. It was a bit of a bad, a bad night for the Conservatives. They lost 1,006 and 63 seats. Um, so t- that takes their total down to 2,296. Lib Dem seems to do really well. They, they got 407 seats. So I think that was a bit unexpected. I think they've done them really well to get that that many seats. Um, so that takes their total up to 1,628. Independents lost about 89 seats, taking them down to 865. And the Greens did yeah, really well again. I think I think this is the best performing um, local elections they've done. I think like up two hundred and forty one seats to four hundred and eighty one uh, across the country. So I think that basically this means now that Labour's become the largest party of local government surpassing the Tories for the first time since two thousand and two, which is massive really isn't it, Stuart? Um I suppose it shows kind of where where the party's at and stuff. But just just to kind of note as well, I think it's worth mentioning the one kind of key areas in that as well. So they've got Medway in Kent and, and Swindon in South West, which have both been run by the Tories for the past twenty years, so they were massive, massive wins for them. And they got several of the councils turning them from kind of no overall control um to, to Labour control, including Plymouth, Stoke on Trent, Blackpool, Middlesbrough, Brockstow, High Peak and North East Derbyshire. I mean when you when you Talk about some of them areas, just just looking at that first, Stuart. A lot of them, you would say, especially in the, the most recent general election, did turn Tory, didn't they? they? They they were kind of those North votes that Boris Johnson kind of targeted. And I suppose those areas that he wanted to really target were levelling leveling up policies and stuff like that. What do you think this kind of means? I mean, firstly, for Labour, I suppose, Stuart. It, 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 are we heading for a Labour government, do you think, at the next general election? Does it indicate that?
1: It, 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 it provides the indication that that's the direction that we're going. I mean, Labour are obviously happy with the number of seats that they won, and the Tories were sort of putting across uh, numbers of a thousand, you know, beforehand. It's sort of an expectation management look, but it won't be that bad. It'll be fine type thing. So if they then lost sort of six or seven hundred, they could then claim it as some sort of victory, even though it's not really a victory, but you know, a smaller number than they were around or put around. But actually, the number was higher than that. So even in their sort of worst case scenario, they did even worse than that. But I think it's worth, I mean, a couple of thoughts. One is that because of the way that local government is elected, and Ben, you'll be able to explain more about this anyway, but um, it's not that all councils, so this is a sort of, a, 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 they are national elections in the sense that It is some local authorities, but it's not all local authorities and not all the local authorities all get elected at the same time. So different councillors get elected in different periods, which means it's slightly difficult or more difficult to say, you know, X equals Y. Therefore, this will happen at the next election. So, for instance, in London, we didn't have uh, elections. Whereas then, as you rightly say, in places like Kent, where there is a sort of a Labour breakthrough, that, that shows that Labour is doing something right. And on the flip side, the Tories aren't doing something right. But then, you know, the Lib Dem and Lib Dem vote often goes up when the Labour vote goes up because you're sort of in that sense, voters are given permission to vote sort of not conservative in whichever way they've got most chance of getting the conservatives out in their area. So the Lib Dems do well. So the sort of it's not just that Labour I think it's not just that the Labour vote was was good and solid and they won seats but actually the trend across all the parties including the Greens as well is a sort of an anti-conservative shift that's what I think is is the most important point
0: yeah I mean they are we probably should have said this at the start but they are quite confused in the local elections aren't they because like you say like the uh it I I think this really does put people off as well, Stuart voting because no one really knows like, you know, when the local elections are, like, especially like you know, I've got a few mates just down the road and who had come under a different council and they're not having elections this year, but my council was, so they were kind of asking where do we go for this and I think it is a wider question about kind of like what more can kind of local government do I suppose to promote elections and promote The different types of elections, I mean, you've even got parish council elections, which is kind of even the lower tier of local governments. And so there's that added complication as well. I mean, I had on my ballot paper, like, you've got three parish councillors to vote in and then you've got two, you've got a a kind of councillor for your ward to vote in and all There's so many, like, I mean, we can talk about this a bit later on, but there's so many kind of different um, layers, isn't there, to to kind of politics, which does make it really confusing for people.
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of, you're right, you've got the different levels of council and people aren't necessarily quite familiar with what all those different levels of councils do. So from your your district councils or your unitary councils through to the parish councils or whatever it happens to be. And then if they're voting thirds, So a third of the councillors get every three years and then you have a fallow year. Uh, I think I'm right in saying, again, I'm quite prepared that you would put me right on this, Ben, that some local authorities do elect on a a whole basis and certainly London boroughs do that. Um, So you've got a whole mismatch of different councils and different types of electoral, um, not systems, because, well, actually, you do have different systems as well, don't you? Some, you know, some, (laughs) uh, you have different systems. So you're right, this doesn't really help people understand about sort of politics and why it's important and when the when the media are talking about these election results they said the local elections which are like well yes they are the local elections but they are sort of one bit of the local elections that can take place over a period of three years so it's not it's not a national snapshot In that sense, it's it's pictures in certain areas, which again makes it a bit more confusing. Which why all the political parties will try and interpret those results in a way that best suits their messaging, and best suits their sort of you know national i.e. general election picture.
0: Yeah, I mean you are right there, Stuart, as well. I suppose there was a lot of conservative councils who were hosting elections in this round of elections, where there's kind of a lot of labour councils can be found in london like like you said where they they weren't kind of hosting elections so there wasn't as much to kind of lose for labour in that respect i suppose i suppose it was all aimed at what could labour get from the conservative seats across the council across the country sorry so yeah that i mean you have got to kind of take that into account i suppose but um but i mean so it, it it is a snapshot and it but it does indicate to me that there is a shift happening and and like you said, there is a bit of a rebellion vote going on here to, to kind of move away from from the Conservatives and maybe that is an indication of how people will vote at the, the next election. It's it's the
1: best it's the best we've got. It's the best snapshot that we do have. Um and you know, if you're the Conservatives you'll say, Well actually the you know the Labour share of the vote overall didn't, you know, go up. Therefore it shows that people aren't backing the Labour Party. So political parties will try and cherry pick the the results in its very in their various forms, not just in terms of seat numbers, but percentages and uptick and whatever, in their own way to help their own cause. You would expect them to do that. Of course, any organisation would, would would try and do the same. But I think that yes, that 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 overall picture looks like a shift away from the Conservatives. Now, if that you know, and there've been various sort of analysis done by you know, leading polling companies and and, uh, and academics, you know, would, if the results here were mimicked in a general election, what would that mean? And, you know, it's generally thought that, well, actually, the Labour Party would probably win, but maybe not with an overall majority. But, yeah, you know, that's so difficult to tell on these things. And, yeah. you know, you only need a couple of seats here and there or a, or a half a percentage point here and there at a general election to shift that completely so you know i think you know the conservatives have and i think it's actually more the the ramifications and we can talk about this in a second as well over the last couple of days of, of the sort of the fallout from the local election results and the conservatives which is more telling and labor is as starmer has sort of said look this is a taking nothing for granted steady as as the as, as it goes we keep fighting we keep putting the you know we'll we'll talk about our manifesto and our policies near the general election so in that sense, their strategy remains the same, whereas for the Conservative Party, we've now got a period of uh, what looks like internal, well, I was going to say factional infighting, I think is yeah. probably the yeah. phrase to use.
0: Do, do, I mean, does it show, does it that, like, Labour aren't perhaps doing enough to kind of convince... You know, former you know those middle kind of voters who kind of sway from party to party. Because I mean, even the the increase in share for like the Greens, for example, and for Lib Dems, does it show that kind of like people aren't really convinced by what Labour have kind of said at the minute? Or it, it, is it that thing Labour are keeping the cards close to the chest at the minute until we kind of get further along the the kind of election route to to the general election? If that makes sense,
1: you know, if if I think it's probably a bit of a mixed picture of all those things. So yes, there will be some people out there going, well. Yeah, they're better than the Tories, but I don't really know what they stand for. There'll be those that will just vote Labour to get them out, and there will be those that look at the scene in their area. For an MP, you know, come general election, or, or you know, a councillors here in this set, and say, look, in my ward even, for the council elections, but for the MP, come the general election, what, what does an anti-conservative vote look like for me? Um, how can I... Use my vote most effectively to try and get some change, and that's what voting is all about. Voting is trying to get some sort of is to get the representation that you want, and to you know then have that at a national level come the general election or local level, obviously for the, for these local elections. And people will go, look, what, what, what looks best for me? If I vote Labour, are they ever going to win? No. If I vote Tory, you know, are they going to win? Lib Dems, etcetera, Greens. You know, th- th- so and I think you know one of the Um, issues which I've heard talk about is for the Lib Dems is you know when when there's been this sort of particularly post-Covid you know rush out of the cities particularly London but some other cities as well into the countryside traditionally more rural conservative voting areas of the country you suddenly get this influx of sort of you know uh, you know ex-Londoners professional um, not exclusively but often professional and then going into an area they now live in this area where they are a Liberal left-leaning Laboury type, but they know that they're you know if they're Labour voters they're never going to be able to elect a Labour MP in that area in a million years. You know the Conservative yeah. vote is so big, so therefore they will vote Lib Dem, so they'll they'll lend, effectively lend their vote to the Lib Dems in their new constituency because that's the best way that they can try and get the Conservatives out. So again, difficult to interpret that from set of uh, a set of uh, local election results but this is often the sort of you know um, calculation that will go through somebody's head so it's not just I vote Labour I've always voted Labour I've always voted Conservative they might think look where do I put my vote so that's why the Lib Dems and the Greens and others may well do better.
0: Yeah yeah I mean also Stuart like so there is that tactical kind of voting going on but do you reckon it, it raises the prospect that we could have perhaps like a multi-coloured kind of coalition government coming up on the horizon kind of thing with, with the way people have been voting for this?
1: It's, I mean, it is always possible. I mean, we've only really had it, well, I mean, twice, sort of. I mean, mainly under the coalition from you know, 2010 under you know David Cameron and, and Nick Clegg as the deputy, but he didn't do the Lib Dems much good at the end of the day. And then we had a sort of an informal, uh, sorry, a Lib-led pact uh, in the late 70s, but that mainly came about through people dying when they were MPs and, and all these sort of things. So the Labour, small ma- Labour majority disappeared during the, during the 1970s. So we don't tend to get that. So that's not the normal picture at national level. As you mentioned, you know, councils changing from no overall control and, you know, at a, at a local level, and again, we often f- tend to forget this in politics, but at a, a local level, coalitions and parties working together to run local authorities, run councils, is it's not the norm, but it happens you know quite a lot, so at a local level we're used to it. At a national level, we're not used to it, apart from those couple of times. Um, it's interesting, of course, that the one of the lines that the Lib- uh, sorry that the um, Conservative Party are sort of pushing at Labour is like, well, will you rule out a coalition or any form of agreement yeah. with the SNP, with the Lib Dems, etc. Of course, why, why would they? And you know it, it, that, that they want to show that you know if you vote. For any of these other parties, you may end up in a coalition. Well, actually, in most memory, they're the party that that had a coalition, so they formed a coalition with the Lib Dems, um, and it worked. You could argue, but you know, in terms of the policy setting, people would disagree with austerity and other and other aspects of their agenda. But in terms of providing a stable government for that period of time, it war- it worked. So why 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 wouldn't it work again? Why wouldn't a Labour and Lib Dem sort of coalition or SNP coalition or agreements about voting. Why wouldn't it work? There's nothing to say that. Um, But it just depends on the seats and it depends on how much Labour look like they're going to, you know, form a government. If they look like the majority is going to be big, then that, again, people might just say, look, let's let's just give the Conservatives a kicking. Let's just, you know, vote Labour wherever we are. So in the 97, you saw those and you, you indicated sort of Medway and places like that areas where Labour don't traditionally do well, elected Labour MPs. They elected a number of Labour MPs across Kent. Uh, that doesn't happen. You know, that's part of the reason why Labour doesn't win general elections. It doesn't reach into those parts of England um, that it that it needs to, arguably. So that's a good sign. So that will be giving Labour some confidence that it can have this little trail of bread comes to a general election result, because if people get used to you know, a strong party locally, then they might vote for them
0: nationally. Just kind of switching to what it actually means for the Conservatives then. Um so really I suppose worse than bad night for them, um I, I mean like you said, they they kinda of came out and said they were expecting a thousand losses and I think that was to be a worst case scenario and it was almost to kind of oh well if we do better than that you know, Labour aren't making labour aren't making as much ground as we think and, you know, th- that kind of set the expectation but they obviously went worse than that. Do you think that, I mean, is this an indication that perhaps people aren't happy with the leadership that Rishi Sunak's shown or do you think it's an indication of the past 12 months and what's actually happened with the kind of list trust stuff with maybe even, you know, where we are with the cost of living as well? Do you think it's just a bit of a rebellion vote against that or is it more aimed at Rishi, would you say?
1: I think, again, I think it's a bit of a mix of these things, really, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, you can just see how, I mean, we've had these two national sort of conferences that different, I was going to say factions, I'm not sure that's quite the right word, but, but different bits of the Conservative coalition, and all political parties are coalitions at the end of the day, really. Uh, but, you know, you've had these sort of, you know, more, um, I'm going to paraphrase hugely here, so apologies, but, you know, the more right-wing Elements of the Conservative Party meeting, more free market, etc. With Suella Braverman talking about, basically, we've got to train more people to pick fruit uh, and be butchers. Um, uh, You've also had Rhys Mogg, and I know you want to talk about some of the comments that Rhys Mogg made in in relation to voting in a second as well. So we'll we'll come on to that. But, um, you know, some of the you've got cabinet ministers and leading conservative figures, but particularly the cabinet ministers, basically saying the direction of their own party is wrong. The leadership has made mistakes. And I think by leadership, they do mean Rishi, but they also mean the previous incumbents as well. But to me, this is the cats fighting in a sack thing, really, isn't it? This is, they realise that their chances at the next general election aren't completely zero and they aren't completely zero by, you know, by a reasonable stretch. They, you know, they're still operating on a majority of, you know, you know 70 or 80, whatever it is. But they are they want to be seen as the true voice of conservatism so they are all positioning themselves now you know is rishi going to make changes well he'll make some changes come the next budget you know in march aprilish time marchish time to try and position themselves for the you know for a, for the election but these people are really positioning themselves for the for the next leadership election which the assumption would be would be the conservatives in opposition
0: do you think realistically that that leadership challenge could come before a general election or do you think they've had kind of too many leaders in this in, in this kind of parliament and they need to just ride it out with Rishi and see kind of how it goes
1: i think that i think the calculation will be how how bad does it look i mean you know if you challenge somebody and and i think uh, you know gordon brown had a similar sort of scenario when he not long after he took over and before the you know the election that he eventually called um you know, to, to at what point does it look, you know, completely self-serving to challenge an incumbent leader, prime minister before a general election? Is that six months before? Is that a year before? The closer you get to a general election, you don't have time to swing the poll. So effectively, even if you would be successful in winning that leadership, let's say six months before a general election, you're still going to lose. And you will probably be chucked out as a consequence of that. So why would you, A, make the party look more, even more divided than it is, and B, only be a prime minister for sort of six months with the knowledge that you'll probably be kicked out, you'll be in opposition, you'll get blamed, et cetera. Just wait. Just wait yeah. until you lose, you know, the party loses the election and then look to take over as the guiding voice of this new bright era, learning the lessons of the last X amount of years in government, reinventing the party, you know, et cetera. So I, I I don't think they'll challenge him um, because I don't think they'll want to be in charge of the, the ship when it eventually runs aground on the electoral rocks. Sorry, that's a real mix of <laughs> metaphors.
0: <laughs> no, no, I love that, love that. Um, yeah, no, fair to fair Stuart. I mean, I, I just want to kind of... So let, let's move away from kind of the actual local elections, but something kind of related was... You know what you were just talking about there with jacob reese mogg and his speech kind of at, at that that recent kind of conference what he was kind of talking about was the, the new uh legislation on voter id so for for people who, who kind of don't know new legislation came in which required people to take a valid form of id with them to in order for them to be eligible to vote so so whether that would be kind of driving license passport anything kind of along those kind of lines, people could kind of take them with them. Um, if they didn't have that form of ID, they'd be turned away and, and they wouldn't be allowed to to kind of vote. So this is something, I think I'm right in saying Stuart, the Conservative brought in. Um, now, what was what was interesting was that Jacob, Jacob Rees-Mogg's uh, recent speech, he, he was kind of saying that it, it was perhaps a strategy that they brought in to kind of inc- basically discourage i suppose like younger voters and maybe poorer voters as well who may not be able to kind of afford a valid form of id and um, making it harder for that group to vote now i know like the electoral commission has kind of done a lot to try and support people who, who perhaps don't have access to a valid form of id and stuff but i still think it's adding another barrier to to voters that really isn't needed i mean their excuse to it wasn't it It was the fact that voter fraud takes place but i mean listening to some commentators on this and stuff they've said it's a very minute issue that and it doesn't really happen and and stuff and i mean i've seen i seen something in the guardian as well and it was they reported 1.2 percent of voters got turned away with no id and half half of whom were from kind of ethnic minorities as well i think like the data's a little bit sketchy because it wasn't recorded kind of everywhere but it just kind of shows doesn't it like it, it has had a bit of an effect on those local elections in terms of people turning up, being turned away, and kind of not coming back to, to recast the vote. Yeah, all um,
1: those that would have those that would have voted actually just don't turn up in the first place as well. So you've got yeah. those, those that turn up and get turned away, and you've got those that don't bother going anyway because they think, oh, actually, I haven't got the ID. Even
0: if they know about
1: needing the ID, they don't they don't have it, so therefore they think, oh, I won't bother. So we don't even know how many people that impacted on.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that as well. It put it like like we were saying. It adds another barrier to people who perhaps were thinking of coming and stuff, and then this just puts them off completely. Then doesn't it? Um. So yeah, I mean, what what I found a bit worrying about Jacob Rees Mogg's comments was like it it it's an enforced strategy that they've brought in, which is a little bit corrupt. But then he's kind of said it's backfired on the Conservatives because actually it blocked a lot of kind of older voters. Um. Voting who don't have access to this idea as well, so and eve's kind of blaming their kind of results on that. So I mean, it just seems like an absolute shambles to be honest. Like, do you think it's? Do you think it has had an impact on the elections, Stuart? I mean, everything's pointing towards perhaps has. I've not seen the actual voter turnout for local election. I don't know if they've calculated that yet or not. But do you think it has had an impact?
1: Uh, again you're you're right I haven't done the the calculations so it's difficult to tell I mean anecdotally there appear to have been problems so you know the stories that you know we've read about you know through the media and on social media seems to suggest you know that there are some issues now not loads and loads we're not getting you know mass turnaways or anything along those sort of lines but it has had an impact and Rhys Mogg's comments about gerrymandering so gerrymandering was sort of US phrase to effectively meaning a sort of a glorified stitch up uh you know in in allowing people to vote or not vote or ad- adjusting the areas so the gerrymandering was originally about um I think some st- uh, lines of the area that were that altered to uh, favor a particular political party and I think it was an incumbent uh, at the time uh, so the idea you gerrymander something you basically you stitch it up to make it better for your own party your own uh, set of electors, you expand your electorate in some way by changing the rules, and of course, so he's yeah he's made those comments about gerrymandering. I mean, frankly, I think this is one of the most outrageous uh, moves by a government, and then subsequently a who was then a so Breitmark was a serving minister in that government and stood up and defended those plans. Now a few months later, he's saying, well, we yeah it was gerrymandering. To to have that level of Bravado about the whole thing, I think, is 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 is, is astounding, and also, um, of course, you know, Labour then talked about expanding the vote to sixteen and seventeen year olds and uh, for some EU nationals, etc. Of course, they, you know, the Conservatives they go, well, you're gerrymandering, so you 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 Labour are changing the rules now. Uh, that may well be the case in terms of having an impact. Sorry, not the gerrymandering bit, but in terms of increasing their uh, electorate. But if you're saying that actually 16 and 17 year olds should be able to vote, that's a judgment call. The same judgment call as would have been made on women being allowed to vote all those years ago, etc. So, you know, it's to say, you know, was that gerrymandering for a particular political party? No, of course not. It was the right thing to do. I mean, of course it's the right thing to do. 16 and 17 year olds, it's a judgment call. You know, you either think 16 and 17 year olds should be allowed to vote or you don't. That's not favouring one party or another. That's just. You know, the, you know, a judgment call in terms of some of the EU nationals as well. Well, look, look, if they've got jobs and they're paying taxes, surely, actually, by not allowing them to vote is anti-democratic. So, but he's now introduced this gerrymandering phrase again. We've done it and look, they're going to do it. And again, it's the sort of number on the side of a bus. It's the Trumpian sort of thing. You know, you, you say effectively, we're all as bad as one another and therefore all the electorate lose faith in politics and politicians so you bring them all down which then may favour so i, I think it, i think it's partly he was a i think it for him it was I, mean, I don't know partly a genuine reflection on it and an excuse as you say ben for you know the local election results but i think it's also part of a strategy to say well look you know effectively let's just bung all the politicians all the parties in together and then we'll all lose out and hopefully we'll lose out not as much as that other lot
0: yeah, I I I have to say, Stuart, I I find it quite strange that it it is just a, just allowed for them to kind of like make these changes, kind of like un- unopposed. Like I know it has to go through Parliament because they've got that much of a big majority. They have just been able to kind of get away with changing a lot of policies that you know have to get the Conservative vote on things, and it just goes through, doesn't it? Like because another area I always find a bit strange that it's allowed to actually happen for political gain is the changing of boundaries you know for for kind of like constituency voting and stuff like that and like i'm guessing that that's run by uh that's run by kind of the government isn't it and that's that's kind of a, a decision kind of governments and parliament make as well isn't it like is that something they under lead, advice they yeah
1: so i think that's uh again um i have to double check i think it's the electoral commission that do all of that they make the assessments uh and then those assessments are then considered by the government of the time but yeah you're right I mean look this is a you know this is how parliament and government works you have you know our political system delivers majorities generally uh, that majority government just dis- gets to decide and those decisions are across all walks of life everything we do taxes you know what social media are we are allowed to look at you know what images what how we can eat what we can drink all these things you know how often the rubbish is collected at, you know, local authority level. You know, all these things are all driven by voting. And if we don't vote, we don't have any say. But you vote, elect government, majority government and they can they can do not quite whatever they want. And I think that's why we've seen the, the courts involved a lot more nowadays. So when Boris gets challenged on the prorogation of parliament, or, you know, dissolving parliament to then have a general election, he's challenged on that. You saw various challenges on uh, some of the Brexit, uh, you know, rules and regulations and th- things like that as well. So, in other words, if people can't uh, have their say through parliament or parliament is or a government is sort of effectively playing a little bit fast and loose with the powers it has, then they look for other ways to get involved. Maybe a court challenge, maybe direct action through activists. So again, interesting for me. I think Rhys Mogg's comments, you know, about the gerrymandering on the on the you know uh, changing the ID rules. I think there's a sort of similar dotted line across to the rules that they've introduced the new laws they've introduced about um, demanding the police take action against activists as well which again you know particularly with the coronation in mind seems to have backfired because the government the police have then gone right we've got these new powers we now have to you know obviously we have to use them they've used them and people have gone well that's utterly outrageous well but they were utterly outrageous when the government passed them a couple of weeks ago so uh, you know and again people sort of think that we've we do have, whether you like it or not, an inherent right to protest. People get annoyed when people glue themselves to the M twenty five and things like that. But it's part of our rights. The sort of country we live in is to is to protest and these rules, as policed at the coronation, appear to go against that. So you've got those sort of rules, and the as Reese Mogger said, the gerrymandering of the you know around ID, I don't think people are very happy with that. That just all seems a bit sort of Un British, really, doesn't it? Yeah. So it makes me sound a bit like an old person, but I, it doesn't really seem like that's the sort of position
0: that we take in this uh, country. No, 100%. I mean, like, and what what gets me to it as well is like, the, you know, the conservatives, not to dig them out, not to dig all of them out, but like, they always kind of say, you know, it's all about free speech and having, you know, having that kind of, and then they, they impose those kind of laws, which I think is, yeah, it's it really it just goes, it goes against what kind of what they're saying anyway with, with all, all that kind of stuff and I suppose Stuart does it just show the state of politics at the minute it just seems that I mean I, I've even seen uh, is it Kemi enough as well is it like so so she didn't I mean this is going slightly off topic but she she didn't um, submit papers did she to or submit the, the kind of ruling to the Speaker of the House on a certain issue I can't remember what the issue was but he's absolutely railroaded there, hasn't he? Um, in the House of Commons, which I, I, it was an entertaining watch to be honest, because uh, he really lost his cool. But it, I, I mean, I'd, I've never seen anything like that happen before, to be honest. It seems like it's increasingly happening a lot more kind of thing in the House of Parliament. So, is it just the state of local politics and like where <laughs> where that's at at the minute, and how it's been kind of I don't know, I suppose downgraded by a, a certain few individuals who've been. Leading lead in government?
1: I, I think you have to be slightly wary of drawing too many conclusions because I think every government, and I don't care which government it is, frankly, whatever political party it is, always have accusations levelled against them of ignoring parliament too much. So, that, you know, the new Labour governments were, you know, forever using the media to, to you know, to trail, uh, you know, new policies before they were announced to parliament and things like that. So I think it's. It, it's easy to sort of think that, you know, this government is sort of notoriously good or bad or, or doing certain things. I think, frankly, you know, that's why we have, not like in the US checks and balances system, but that's why we have elections, that's why we have the court, you know, that's why we have the, the right to free speech and protest. Effectively, is a check and balance on politics and politicians. But I think the point you raise is, is for me, the, the real heart of it is... How much does this detach people from wanting to vote? How much does this mean that people just go, they're all the same, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. And then that has an outcome, in term, or a lack of outcome in terms of you know the next election and voting. I think that's the it just it just turns people off. It just it just doesn't encourage any form of interest or participation.
0: Yeah, and, and like like you say that you know people just think they're all the same, so. What is the point? And you know, no one stands for me, kind of thing, and stuff like that. But you know, I mean, I, we was going to finish on this, Stuart, and I, I suppose just to finish quickly because we have kind of run over a little bit. It, it, I suppose, it really is important to voters, and you know, policy, like your vote does matter. It kind of shapes policies and 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 stuff. And like like I was told, I was talking to my partner about this. You know, with with the younger generation specifically like you know you see policies around affordable housing being made available and and things like that and like and even the the university fees which recently been announced they're they're kind of going up again and making it harder for i suppose a a lot a lot more poorer households and stuff like that to to access university degrees and stuff like that i think that is a, there's a direct correlation befo- between that and and the fact that like younger voters don't turn out as much as kind of older voters to vote. I think a lot of policies that are created are directed more at getting the kind of older, you know, middle England kind of vote because they they the majority of voters. So, you know, that they they're the ones that kind of governments want to target, they're the ones that parties want to target. And I think the fact that like, you know, our our generation like 30 and under aren't voting as much it really has kind of stung us, I think, in in the past. So that there is a real kind of importance, and it, I suppose we just want to finish on saying that. Really, you know, even if you feel disengaged, please do go out and vote whenever you get the chance, because it it does really matter, and it will really influence kind of the policies that are made on your behalf. I suppose.
1: I agree. No, I agree with that heartily, Ben. It, it, it annoys me hugely. It's it's a, it's a real, I think, it's a real problem for this country probably others as well but you know particularly I say this country the UK as a whole the countries of the UK that the generation that suffered a, a, a particular, particularly I mean again I you know I, I don't want to fall into my own trap of thinking you know a particular government is worse than any others and it's probably been the same but the, the younger generation do seem to be losing out really badly and I'm, I'm hugely grateful for you saying for, for our generation of voting, Ben, because it um, makes me feel uh, younger again, which is great. But, you know, for, for those, you know, just starting their sort of political journey and coming, you know, next general, in the general election with their first vote, you know, through to sort of 25, 30, etc We don't build houses. There's education that you've mentioned. Um, look, there are so many issues, climate change not least, yeah. that... Um, that the younger generation are being absolutely you know knocked about the head on and it annoys me it's it's i, I just don't un- well i do understand entirely and you you put it so eloquently Ben which is that the older generation effectively vote therefore the danger is that they've they're, they're they are listened to more they accounted for more in the way that government makes decisions so short term, so look even if you look at i don't know HS2 or something like that i'm not saying it's the best yeah project in the world or anything along those sort of lines, but it's not going to open for a long time. But the decisions now on whether we do it and the spending are decisions on now, not actually this is a twenty thirty year project, so it should be about what this delivers for the country and the generations then of benefits. And, and unless we shift that in some way, unless we can unlock that generational challenge, um, I think we're, we're storing up you know, huge problems. Um, we'll be expecting the younger generation to effectively, because we can't make a decision on social care, we're starting a massive problem for the younger generation, probably up until about the age of you know, 35, 40. They will have to pay for the care of this ever-expanding number of old people, uh, all of whom are living longer, and with the social care challenges. So, um, sorry, that sounds a bit of a rant at the end, Ben, but I, no, I agree entirely. Look, unless, unless we get everybody voting, more and more people voting to have their say, the danger is we just have more of the same across any government, and that I don't think is good for anybody.
0: No, I agree, I agree. So I suppose the message we want to leave everyone on, Stuart, is please do vote whenever you get the chance. Please do go out and, and make sure you have your say, because it is really important, and it... it, it it genuinely will shape policies to kind of suit suit you, and I suppose suit the future as well. You know, future generations. Generation. Yeah,
1: register to school. vote, and make sure you have the right level of the right ID now as well, and yep. use that democratic right. And don't forget, if you're busy, you don't have to turn up to the um, you know the polling station on the day. You can do postal votes. There are you can have proxies and other things. So there are other options. It's not just about turning up to the polling station. On the day and putting your ex in a box there are there are other options but always take that opportunity to register and make sure you get your ID so you can if you want to use that right
0: 100% Hundred percent. Great way to finish, Stuart. Um, Yeah. Thanks for joining us again to talk about all that. Loads to kind of get through there, and I think we did a good job to keep it uh, to to time. (laughs) Could have (laughs) gone on for hours. Could have gone on for hours. (laughs) (laughs) Really good. But uh, yeah, thanks again, Stuart, and thanks everyone for listening. Speak again soon. Bye.